0: Thank you for joining the Broadway Drumming 101 podcast with your host, Clayton Craddock.
1: This is part two of my conversation with Sammy Marandino.
0: If you like what you hear on the show, subscribe to the Broadway Drumming 101 newsletter at broadwaydrumming101.substack.com. That's substack, dot com. The Broadway Drumming 101 Newsletter is your one-stop shop for everything you'll need to know about playing drums for Broadway musicals. When you subscribe to the newsletter, you'll learn about what it takes to be a successful pit musician with content delivered directly to your email inbox two to three times a week. For $5 a month or $50 a year, you'll have a backstage pass to the world of a Broadway drummer playing on a hit show. As a paying subscriber, you'll receive behind-the-scenes access to the life of a musician who makes a living on Broadway. You'll also be able to read every post, not just those occasional free ones. You'll get access to all newsletter issues in the archives, and have an ability to participate in subscriber-only comments and events. If you become a founding member for a gift of only $75, you'll receive discounted private drum lessons, an opportunity to watch Clayton play in the pit of his show, and a 25% discount on future promotional products. If you'd like to make a direct contribution to the production of this show, you can reach us at Venmo at Clayton-Craddock, Cash App at Syncopated, that's C-I-N-C-O-P-A-T-E-D, or PayPal at Clayton-Craddock. Any amount of support will be appreciated. Thank you for listening.
1: So how did you meet Cindy Lauper?
2: Well, I had a studio downtown, and a friend of mine, Stuart Lerman, um, he uh, he was supposed to record vocals for her one day, and then he couldn't do it. So he said, "Well, why don't you go to Sam's place? He's got a studio on Thirteenth Street, and uh, maybe he'll put drums on the record for you too." So so she came in, and and I programmed some drums for the record, and it was it was actually for uh, a Rugrats movie, um, and it was. Um, Uh, Mark Mothersbaugh co-wrote it with her. And so we did this track, and then she said, hey, I'm going to start my record in a couple weeks. You know, we hit it off, the same thing. Cindy and I kind of hit it off right away. And uh, there was a definite meeting of the minds there. And um, so I started doing her next record, and then she said, oh, I'm doing this TV show, Girls with Guitars. You want to do it? I'm like, sure. So I went out to L.A., recorded that with her, And then came back and then she said, I'm doing a little tour. Do you want to do it? I'm like, yeah, I'll do it. And then I just was in her band. She never really asked me formally to join the band, but then all of a sudden I was just her drummer. So it all came from that session, from having my studio and uh, being able to move forward with that.
1: What are some of the other tours that you went on during that time?
2: That was it. That was the only course I was touring. I was Cindy's drummer and we were touring you know, we would, we would tour different times each year, but it wasn't like a constant tour, but, you know, we'd go out for a month. At first, we'd go out for a month, come home for a couple months, go out again. So it was, you know, I was just kind of still doing some sessions in between there. But then it started, you know, certain years, like when we did, when we were on tour with share, we were out for seven months straight, you know, come in for a couple of days. That was great, though. That was a lot fun. So I was mainly just recording with Cindy, touring with Cindy. That was kind of like, took up most of my, from... 2000 to 2009, outside of some, you know, a few little things in between, but it was mostly her. She just kind of just took over everything. And that was an unexpected thing. I, I really never, I had told my wife, you know, I had just sold right before I met Cindy, I sold all my road cases. I was like, ah, I'm not going to go on the road again, you know, I'm not planning it. I sold them all. And then a couple weeks later, I meet Cindy and she's like, you want to go on the road? I'm like, i got to buy new road cases. That's a good problem to have.
1: Did you have... Endorsements with drum companies back when you were with Cameo, or did that happen with Cindy Lauper?
2: Oh no, I had endorsements starting you know in, in the eighties. My first endorsement was Vic Firth, which I'm still with not, since 1985. Vic actually signed me himself, so I met Vic, and, and uh, so that was my first one. Then I had Remo drums when I was with Cameo; uh, it was endorsed Remo, and then I moved on. Around 87 or 88, I went to Pearl. And I also was with Paisley Cymbals for about 30 years, starting in 85, 86. So I, I was with them for a long, long time. And then um, around I don't know, 2000, what year was it? Four or five, I switched to sonar. I left Pearl and went to sonar.
1: Now, why did you do that? What, what is it about sonar that you like?
2: Oh, I love, so I'm still with them this day. I, I love everything about them. The, the, they just built so well. They sound so good. They, they've got a new vintage series out now that has the baseball edge, you know, the the bat, baseball bat, kind of like the old wretch rims. The vintage series sound vintage. They made like their old 60s vintage series. But the drums are just great. The, the company is very supportive. You know, sometimes I want a weird size drum. Like I make some fifteen by fifteen floor toms. They just made me a fourteen by nine rack, so I can get a little lower for the new show that I'm doing. Um, they they've just been really great. So uh, and they sound amazing, and they hold up. They stay in tune. I got no complaints with them. You know.
1: That's so, great.
2: Another friend yeah, of so mine
1: loves to- Sonar. Who's that? It's uh, Andrew Atkinson.
2: No, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. He's going to be doing the Michael Jackson show, but he's done a bunch of other jazz stuff and, and other things in the past, but he, he just swears by sonar.
2: Oh, great. Well, we're going to have to grab a dinner in between shows.
1: Yes. Yeah. I'd love for uh, you guys to chat, but I'd love to actually hear the, the, you know, I've heard how great they are, but I don't, I don't really know their sound. So I need to, Actually, play some. Come
2: over, come yes. over and play.
1: I should do that just,
2: just set up upstairs. Come on, you know. <laughs> One other thing I might tell, you, and I did switch to Zildjian a number of years ago. So I've been, I did uh, after I had a really nice relationship with Pisces for a long time. But then my ears shifted a little bit, and uh, sound, and I, I moved to Zildjian about no seven years ago. So all good companies.
1: Tell me how you got involved with the show Kinky Boots.
2: Well, I had done all the demos with Cindy for for the, uh, for Kinky Boots. We had been doing that for a number of years. She said, i um, you know I forget how early it was. It was it was oh, three or four years before the show came out, you know." And she said, "You want to do demos?" So I was cutting tracks. She come. I have a studio in my house here, so she'd come to the house. We'd cut drums, cut vocals, cut a bunch of different ideas and stuff. And this was going on and on. So then they started to do the readings, and I wasn't a Broadway guy, you know. I couldn't get arrested. I met some guys and they're all like, yeah, yeah, we'll have you. And they never called. And I kind of, I understand why, you know, you do need some experience in that uh, genre and being in a pit. is a whole different world than being on stage. Um, even though I felt I can handle that, you know, I, most people in the broad world are like, yeah, you're a rock drummer. You're not going to get what we do here. And I was like, all right. So they were doing the readings and, um, I was actually the fourth drummer in. So they did the first reading. Cindy hated the drummer, even though this drummer, and I know who all these guys are, world-class Broadway drummers, each and every one of them, high up. But Cindy didn't like the first one. Cindy didn't like the second one. Cindy didn't like the third one. It's not even that she didn't like them. I think it was more that she wanted me to do it. Mm. So after the third one, because Cindy has a very specific thing, you know, I've been playing with her for a long time. So she's used to what I do and I had done the demos. So one day she came in and didn't like what the drummer was doing for whatever reason, even though it was probably no fault of his own. And she just likes, and this is the story I'd heard from some people in the room. Cause I wasn't there. Slammed her foot down and said, he's out. Sam is going to do the show and that's it. And, um, So then she called me up and she told me the story and she says, you'll do it, won't you? I was like, oh yeah. You know, I was like, I was hoping she'd have called me to be first, you know, but anyway, so then I went in in to do it and um, it was kind of a backdoor entry into Broadway, you know, it's, it's again, it's the thing I was talking about before, you know, you have to have relationships. I didn't get it just because I know her. I'm definitely qualified for the job, but being that I was in her band made a big difference, you know, being that I was the guy that did the demos, you know. So, you know, I went in to do it. And uh, I remember getting a call from, from the contractor saying, Hey, you know, I never hire anybody I don't know, so Steven's gonna come up. I hear you're gonna recut a track tomorrow. Stephen Remus, the supervisor, is gonna come to your house, and and if he likes you, like, so you can have the gig. And I went, okay, and I just started laughing. I go you might as well just hire me now. Cause I knew I was going to, I knew we were cutting and it was a song that I cut in one take anyway. And we we're just basically making a little edit to it. So Steven came the next day. I cut it down in one take. And he was like, this is right. I was literally hired that day. You know? So, you know, it's again, it's, uh, just happened to be, I got in, you know,
1: a lot of drummers nowadays that are very young tend to come from uh, a lot of music schools, schools and they want to go directly to Broadway. Was there any time in your life that Broadway was ever on your radar?
2: Not when I was younger. You know, to me, again, I, you know, earlier when I was talking about getting out and playing. You know, I, I didn't start looking into Broadway until... 2000 or so, you know, right around then, late, mid 2005, something like that. I was like, that this looks kind of interesting. Before that, I had no interest in playing Broadway. But what I was saying earlier about playing live, you know, all the guys that I've played with on Broadway that I really, there's few exceptions, but most of them are older cats that have played and been in bands and have learned how to play with other people. And sometimes when, you know, if you come right out of school, you know, you don't come right out of school and become a, a brain surgeon or a doctor right out of college. You go and you, uh, you work in the emergency room for a couple of years, you know, you're an intern, you do, you do all these different things so you can get up to that level of being a brain surgeon, not that drums is a brain surgery. You know, you know, it's like far from it. But the, the point being that, coming straight out of college and going into Broadway to me is not the way to do it because you should get on the road. And I think uh, Warren Oates always says this. You need to go sleep on some floors. You need to go get laid. You need to do some drugs. You need to go play every night and learn how to play with people, learn how to be with people, you know, because that's what's going to develop you as a player and then come into Broadway a little later when you have something to really add you know, to where you really can play the music and not just the notes. Like a lot of people can play the notes. You know, it's, I've seen a bunch of guys play the notes. They can play the page, you know, but they're not really playing music. And so I think from playing with other people, sleeping on floors, experiencing all those things, that's what will make you a better Broadway musician.
1: When people reach out to you to, Want to sub for you? What are the things that you looked or look for when hiring new subs for your shows?
2: Two things. Two things only. Well, three really, but two main ones. You got to be as good as me or better to sub. Because my name's. I, in that's, the-
1: that's why I couldn't sub for you.
2: <laughs> yeah, you would be fine. You would you would tear it up anytime you want. You let me know. Um, you got to be as good or better than me because my name's in the book, and I don't want to be, you know, at home relaxing or out doing whatever I'm doing and get a call from the conductor saying, "Who's this guy you brought in here? He stinks!" You know, you got to keep the integrity of the show. That's really important to me. You know, it's like, and plus, my name's in the book. I don't want somebody to be out there going like, "Who's this front? He's terrible." You know, that's really that's my ego, but. Man, I want this show to be protected. And don't be an A-hole. It's kind of like, that's the second one, you know? Don't be that guy. You know, those are the two things. I don't care what color you are. I don't care if you're male or female. I don't care how you identify. If you don't meet those first two things, you're not Southern for me. And, And those other ones don't matter to me at all, you know? I mean, I just found this wonderful uh, woman Maya Stepansky. She's 22 years old. Oh man, keep your eyes out for her. She's she's definitely subbing my show. Killer, just killer. Yeah. I'm hiring people on their ability. You know, so those are the two most important things. And of course, don't be late. You know, you know. So those are those are the three. And then you, know, you can make a whole list of things. You know, just come in, be a uh, uh, mimic me. When you come in, just be me. Don't be you. Nobody's looking for you to be you. Come in and be me. And then you'll work more. Because that's what they're looking for. They don't want you to be you.
1: It's interesting to, you say you, your name is in the book. When I was uh, at Ain't Too Proud in 2019, I got a text. Uh, it, was an actual, it was a direct a DM in Instagram from Aaron Spears. You know, I looked up to a lot of stuff that he's done working with Usher and a whole bunch of other people. And I see a, a, a direct message saying, my God, you know, I loved your playing. You sound great. You sound you guys sound really authentic, man. Keep it up. Anytime you want to hang out. Here's my number. I was like, what? Now, if, imagine if I wasn't there and one of my subs was there and he sent that to me. That would mean that that person was doing the job that I hired them to do basically sound like me and yeah, to yeah. do this sound authentic enough so that Aaron would say, my God, you sound just like the temptations records from 1968, six, you know, 69. So yeah, you know, you, you have a point there. I just never really thought about it that way. You want yeah, somebody awesome. to represent you when you're not there. Absolutely. you get into kinky boots that runs for how long?
2: Well, I think that show ran for a little over six years. Um, And I did it for five of those six. And then the the, uh, conductor, Will Van Dyke at the time, asked me to uh, come and do Pretty Woman with him. And that was Brian Adams writing music and Jim Valance. And I was a huge fan, you know, of course, being a Mickey Curry fan, how can you not, there's, there's no way I could say no, even though, Kinky Boots was an ideal situation. It was a really great situation for me, you know, I mean uh, from the top, from the production down to the ushers, everybody was amazing and I got treated really well. Um, but, you know, I was t- I'd, been, I'd done it for five years. I'm like, yeah, I think I'll move on and, and I want to start up because it's fun to, to start up the show, to actually, you know, originate the book and be able, because I got to write all the drum parts in Kinky and do all the programming for that, you know, which was big for me. And then same with Pretty women, I got to, you know, write the parts. So I was ready to move on. So then I moved on to that one. Um, and unfortunately that was a little short lived. That one only, you know, ran for a year, which was a little disappointment, but, um, it was a great year.
1: So did Pretty Women close before Kinky Boots did?
2: I think it closed not long after. So, it was, it was like close to the same time, you know. It, it, um, I think Kiki closed maybe halfway through the Pretty Woman run. Okay.
1: What happened after Pretty Woman?
2: Well, after Pretty Woman, I had like nothing going on, which is kind of funny. I, I was like, I hadn't been doing any readings, which is kind of key to getting a new show. You know, you got to like develop a show. Hopefully, you get called to do the readings and you can be on board. Because, you know, the drummer comes with the show in general.
1: So before you go on with that, tell people listening what are readings and workshops and have you done many of them?
2: Well, I've done, I've done, I've only done three shows, three Broadway shows. And so I, I, I've done all the workshops and the readings for the first two for Kinky and, and Pretty Woman. What those are, you know, people are developing the show. So the first time it might just be sit people sitting around a table with no music and they're reading through the. Through the, the show and they're going through it and then eventually they bring in a piano player and they are going to go and add some music here so then months later they're like oh let's bring a drummer in and we're going to kind of start working on the show some of the choreography and then you know as the show progresses they bring in more musicians or they'll bring in more uh orchestrations to get things working so if you're in at the beginning of that as a drummer you kind of like usually generally move along with it and then you can kind of walk into the show because you've been a in, in it since the beginning, most of the time, not always. And it's not a guarantee, but you know, if you're around doing these things, so, so a lot of guys do a lot of these, you know, they get called, you know, Sean McDaniels, king of that. You know, he, he does a lot of those, uh, rich Mercurio. There's a lot of guys that do readings and developing, but at the time I was just kind of like, well, I'm just wasn't getting calls for that, you know? And a lot of times I'm brought in, to like with Cindy, they didn't like the drum and they brought me in, so it shows you how these guys were in the readings, pushed out. But I, I got brought in for these, so anyway, I had nothing going on, and this was uh, 2019, and I was like, well, doesn't look like I got anything in the future, you know, any show, so I actually had applied for my pension, I said, I'll take my pension a little early. So, did all the paperwork, filled out all the forms, it was all set up to happen in December, and then, middle of November, I get a phone call from Mike Aaron, the contractor, he said, hey, I might have a gig for you. I'm like, really? He says, yeah. He said, The show's coming to Broadway, and the drummer that was doing it had taken another show, not knowing that they had gotten a theater for the new show. And that, that was Rodney Howard. Um, you know, Rodney, great, mm-hmm. great drummer. Really mm-hmm. solid guy. Mm-hmm. great drummer. Anyway, he took another show, so the chair just opened up so it was down to me and a couple other guys and I met the uh, MD Ian Eisendrath and um, we hit it off and so I canceled my pension because <laughs> you can't you know you have to have it once a pension starts you can't work for a couple months and then you can start working again but I was just like well I'm not going to take it now so I luckily it, happened, it all worked out that I could cancel it and then I started up and that, that shows Diana about Princess Diane. So that started in December of 2019, Yeah. And then, uh, you know, we, we started rehearsing and then we were in previews, you know, right before COVID hit. So then it just shut down. Uh, so that was a year and a half ago. So um, in the meantime, though, we recorded it and they filmed the show for Netflix. So it'll actually be available. It's coming out in uh, October 1st. You'll be able to see the show before we even reopen on Broadway. So that, that's pretty exciting. But we're, we're going back to work. I start in a few weeks.
1: One of the things about doing workshops and readings, one of the workshops that I did prior to starting Ain't Too Proud was for Diana. Since I worked with David Bryan and Joe Pietro at Memphis. I just right. had that connection and I did you know I, I was like, Diana, is this gonna really be something? Is this gonna work out? And I, when we started going over the music, you know, David Bryan writes really catchy tunes. Yeah. He knows how to write a catchy tune. David Bryan's a keyboardist for Bon Jovi. And we were in doing the songs. It's like, okay, this is good. And Ian is great to work with. We were just trying to come up with parts and and work uh uh, and just coming up with ideas and then seeing how it all worked with the show, I was like, okay, I can see this is becoming a pretty good show. And then we, you know, I, I, I didn't see the dancing at all because that stuff came later, but I just saw how they, it all came together. And some of the people that were involved in producing Memphis were involved in producing Diana. So I was like, okay, they have the, the creative team. They had the producing team. They got the music. I think it's going to be a hit. Then you guys are about to open. Now, what happened? Did you have previews, and then everything shut down? How did that? We work? were like
2: two weeks into previews when when they COVID just shut us down, and so everything was just put on hold. And you know, but yeah, it's great that you and I have that in common. You know, and yes. I'm sure you just sounded great. You just sounded great on this show. We oh up. man,
1: some of the stuff is like it's just there's like an 80s pop thing because I guess they were trying. Yeah, I don't know what the songs are now. I can't remember the names of songs, but they, they just, it's, it's, I can tell you it's, it's going to be good. So I'm looking forward to the actual uh, movie that's coming out. And one thing about David, I mean, he's very determined. He's like, man, we're going to do this. We're going to get it done. And I'm glad you guys are moving forward with this. So.
2: Yeah. He's been great. He's been great. You, You know, working with him is really great. You could, you know, he's very open to ideas and, you know, he has certain things he hears, you know, so you see him over there air drumming, yeah, you know. Exactly. And, and, you know, just, and that's another thing, you know, when you're doing this stuff, you got to take cues from these guys. Like, when I yes. see him air drumming, I'm going to go like, well, he's hearing something. And, you know, I'm putting my ego aside and going like, yeah, okay, I might have been doing that, but he's kind of doing this. Yes. And I'm like, that's cool, you know, okay, let me, let me, let me kind of find something that fits where he's kind of hearing it, you know, and then, you know, it's nice to be able to have that kind of relationship. And, you know, even like when I was working with Brian and Jim on Pretty Woman, uh, Jim had Valance, who, who's a drummer, had some specific ideas. And so I said, you know, how about this? And I started to play something. He goes, no, I kind of like my idea. So I went back to his idea. And then five or ten minutes later, he me, and goes, you know, your idea was better, you know. <laughs> and I was like, well, thank you. So he was cool enough to say that. And there was another thing that I was, he goes, you know, I want you to play what you play. And I said, no, no, man, what you play you know, was was great. So I was really loving that, you know? So it's interesting working with these guys. And plus, you know, here I've got like Cindy, Brian, and David, you know, from Bon Jovi. It's like some 80s thing. So it yes. kind of fits also in my main chunk of the time, you know? I kind yeah. of fit in the show as well, so.
1: And all that stuff matters. Going back to what you were saying earlier, as far as going out and playing, if you know the music ah. where that these things came from and the styles. Because I remember, because that, it matters, I remember when we were doing Memphis, David Bryan was like, just go ding ka, ding get ding, like, like, like Tico would do. Now, right. If I don't know who Tico Torres is, and from bon jo- I mean, of course, you know. You should know who Bon Jovi is and know what that means. He's like, just, "I just want meat and potatoes, man. Just meat and potatoes." You got to kind of understand where he's coming from. Even doing the Diana workshop, he was like, "Yeah, play this, the shuffle, like uh on Aerosmith's. Uh, I guess it was not loving an elevator. Maybe it was loving an elevator." Yeah.
2: He's like, just do got that bell thing. Yes. Yes. Like, just do it like that. It's in it. It's in it. Yes. yes.
1: And you kind of have to know what he's, it, it's, it makes it easier if you know what he's talking about. Right. So if you're, you know, you're coming from, yeah, I just know late Ms. and Miss Saigon and all that. It's cool. It's cool if you're going to do all that stuff, but creating a, uh, a new musical like Pretty Woman or Kinky Boots or Diana or even something like Memphis, which wasn't really about Memphis soul it was, you know, David Bryan's version of, of Memphis, which there was some gospel, there was some souls, there was some funk, and there was some rock in it. But knowing that musical background makes things much easier, especially when it comes to uh, writing a drum part to a show, a new show, which...
2: I saw it, not to interrupt, I'm sorry. I did see you play Memphis, you know that. Really? Oh, yeah, it was awesome. It you was did- just like... It was near the end, because John Putnam, the mm-hmm. guitar player, it, it was near the end, and he said, hey, I got a pair of tickets. And I was like, great. And I came, and I watched it, and I was like, this guy's good. <laughs> it was really great.
1: And it probably wasn't even me. It was probably my sub, which is a good representation. If you, you were on stage. <laughs> yes, we were. Yes, we were. So I, I, I know it was you. <laughs> well, thank you, sir. Thank you. Being a drummer on a Broadway show, you've had people come in you've had i don't know if you've had people that that have come in that haven't been successful as a sub has that ever happened to you that they've come in they learned the show and they didn't do a good job the reason why i ask is like what are some of the things um what are some of the things that a drummer that is coming to sub for you should uh never do when they're subbing for you or in in general what do you think that drummer should never do
2: well, I only had one issue with one sub because most of the guys I have, like I kind of use the same, a lot of the same guys. I'm, I'm adding a few different ones now because some became unavailable. Um, I had one, one guy that just really didn't learn the book. And like, I, I provide for my subs a video of me playing this, the show, MP3s, charts, unlimited access. You want to call me as many times as you want to call me. And like the the first two shows I did, I was also running Ableton, which was an added pressure. So I'm running the whole show. You know, the conductors give me the three, four and boom, and I'm triggering stuff. So part of it's like, as you're playing, you have to trigger a lot of different scenes, you know, for different stuff. Um, This guy thought he had it and he didn't. And I always told him, if you're not ready to come in, don't come in. Cause you really basically get one shot. You know, it's hard being a sub. It's much harder being a sub than, than being the original. You know, I'm being me on this show. I'm coming in Kinky Boots and Pretty Woman. I'm writing the parts. I'm, all I have to do is be me. That's easy. It's a lot harder to be somebody else. So I, I tell my subs, take all the time you need. And if, even if you're booked for your first show and you don't feel comfortable and you say, I'm not ready, tell me. I'll come in. You know, I, I won't get mad at you. It's not a big deal. So I think the main thing is to be prepared, overly prepared, not just know it. You gotta know it in your sleep. So you gotta come in because you don't get to rehearse with the band. You don't get to, to practice. And I give them a video, a conductor, conductor video so they can actually practice with that. You know, I have uh, one of my top subs and one of my closest friends, John Michelli from plays with Meatloaf, he, you know, my Kinky Boots, it was ridiculous. It had trailers and drums and everything all over, you know, I was like, and the kitchen sink, literally there was a sink there, but, um, he made like a mock setup at his house and he played the whole thing. So, you know, it's, it's about being overly prepared and you've got to be able to come in. He, he was designated after his first show. Wow. I mean, he was just like, it was like me. He was me. So, you know, the thing is, be overly prepared and ready.
1: When you do your shows, do you keep the music on your music stand and look at it? Because I ask people that have come from an arena where you have to memorize an entire cameo show. You don't have music. You, know, you don't have music. And I don't know what you did with Cindy Laufer, but you had to memorize a bunch of different things. Do you memorize the show that you're on? or do you use the music as a guide or do you do both?
2: Well, I absolutely memorize it because I want to get past the point of reading. You know, some guys are really great at reading and playing at the same time. I'm more of like a feel guy. Like, I just want to play the song. I don't want to be looking at notes, you know? So, and I'm from a rock and roll background where you don't use music. Like, you know, when I was with Cindy, there was no music. It's like, Get it up here, you know? So I like to be able to come in there and play. That being said, especially on my first two shows where there was so much riding on the Ableton, and there were so many different trigger points, what I did is I have all my music's on an iPad over to my left, and then in front of me is a big screen. I have like a, you know, a 20-inch screen or so of the music. And that's, that's mainly because I don't want to be playing like this, you know? Because, you know, You get hurt after a while, you know, playing eight shows a week and being all twisted up, you know, you got to really think about how you set up, you know, it's gotta be very ergonomic, you know, cause you can, you can really, I've had problems with joints and stuff from, from bad setups and stuff. But those shows, I would keep the music up just as a safety in case, for some, if my mind was gone for a second, I was like, oh geez, you know, you know sometimes you're playing and you're just kind of in that moment, but you can, your mind can just take off for a second. You know, I was like, here, so I, I ha- always have the safety net of that, but like Kinky Boots by opening night, I never even opened the book. That that one, I just, it just stayed closed, you know. Pretty Woman, I would just toddle through it just to have it there. And this new one, though, Diana, you know, um, this one, Clancy John, you know, John Clancy, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, brilliant, He he wrote all the drum parts. So, I'm actually being John on this show, which is kind of, it's it's made me a better drummer, which is really interesting because I've had to do stuff that I normally wouldn't do. Normally, I wouldn't play the fill starting with my left hand on this one, or I wouldn't do a fill going this way around the drums where well, he does a lot of that. It's from from right to left. He's got all these backwards, and it's it's kind of following the music a little more, you know. sees he because he he uh, orchestrated the show, so he's he's thinking of it in a whole different way, you know. He's thinking a lot a lot more melodically you know, and this is a bigger setup, like using one rack and two floors. This is like five toms. It's, you know, military snare. There's all kinds of Glock.
1: Oh yeah, of, that's right.
2: You know? So this one, you know, I've got my same rig set up, but like, I'll probably have the music up a little longer uh, on this <laughs> show just because I'm, I'm being somebody else, you know, and I'm taking, he let me like put a little of my thing on. He's like, he's like, do what you want, you know, but I'm trying to honor, what he wrote because everything's on top of that so I can't go change all these patterns because he's orchestrated everything on top of that so I got to honor that and it's good for you to be somebody else
1: where can people find you if they'd like to find you on social media
2: you can find me on Instagram you know I, I don't go on as much as I well, I don't even know if I should. I just, you know, whatever. I'm, I'm, I like to play drums more than I like to be on Instagram. But you can find me at Sandy Merendino on Instagram, or you can go to my website, SammyMaradino.com. Or you can fi- always find me at the theater.
1: Yeah, I was about to ask you, which theater is it going to go into?
2: With the Longacre. Acre.
1: And where is that located again?
2: 48th Street, just off of
1: 7th. 48th, man. Remember the days on 48th Street? Where you can actually oh, yeah, yeah. buy musical instruments.
2: <laughs> oh yeah. Man, he's just great. Yeah. Yeah, we're actually we're right across from Hades town.
1: Yeah. You can find Sammy Marandino on his website, on Instagram, and at the Long Acre Theater. Doing the show, Diana, which is going to open up when?
2: Um, previews start November second and then I think openings the seventeenth of November. And watch us on but we'll watch us on Netflix October first, you'll be able to hear us too. We recorded the whole thing and they filmed it. So it'll be pretty interesting.
1: Great. And it'll be running for the next 15 years. So make sure that you.
2: (laughs) You and me both, my brothers. (laughs)
1: Exactly. Thanks again, Sammy. Great talking to you. And we will see each other on the Broadway campus.
2: Great. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening
1: to the Broadway Drumming 101 podcast. Head over to the Broadway Drumming 101 YouTube page where you'll find unedited conversations that I've had with some of your favorite musicians. On the YouTube page, you're going to find bonus content that I don't feature on my Instagram page or here on the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and click on that little bell at the top so that you'll be notified when a new video is uploaded. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for more.